This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Craig Cabanis, the lead pastor, is the speaker for this message. You would open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, under the seat in front of you is a Bible. And if you could just uh, grab one of those and then open up to page 558. We're covering a a fair bit of ground today. Uh, And so it'd be great if you grabbed one and then you could read along verse by verse and just track with us on page 558. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, you just take that one home with you. That is our gift to you. We're glad to, just glad to give it uh, to you. So last week we started a five-week study on spiritual gifts and that'll take us to the end of uh, chapter 14. And spiritual gifts are the ability They are abilities that are given by the Holy Spirit uh, in order to do two things we saw last week, at least two things. One is to glorify Jesus, and the other is to build up his people, the church. So they are abilities that are given by God to build up his people and to glorify Christ. Now, they may be uh, what we would kind of tend to look at as more natural abilities, uh, things like leadership or administration. Um, But if they are being used for the building of the church and for the glory of God, they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or they may be what we would think of as more kind of supernatural abilities like prophecy or healing, that sort of thing as well. But regardless, the purpose is the same. It is to glorify Christ, to draw attention to him, and to build up God's people. So last week, what we learned was that there are varieties of gifts. I think we read through about 12 gifts in this passage, and then we looked at two other sections of Scripture. 1 Peter 4 and uh, Romans 12, and we saw all of these gifts that are in the New Testament. And we, we saw that what Paul said in this passage last week, God was teaching us that there are a variety of gifts, that the Lord is into variety, that he equips people with different abilities to be used by the Holy Spirit, but they are, it, it, is, it is all the same Spirit that uses the variety of of gifts. Now, the Corinthians have a problem because they are uh, focused on a gift or two. Primarily, the gift of speaking in tongues is what they, they value, and we'll talk about that in detail when we get to chapter 14. But what he's going to do in the passage we're about to read is he's going to give them an analogy that drives home the point we looked at last week, that there's one spirit, that there's one church, but a variety of gifts. And he gives a, a wonderful illustration uh, to make make that point. So let's start reading in verse 12. We'll read the rest of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. This is God's word. For just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, 
I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you in this passage how practical it is that you desire to do something in your people that will make us stronger together. And so we pray that you would teach us today what what it is you're saying through this passage. And I pray that you would personalize this. Lord, we ask you for a church-wide application, uh, but we ask for individual application that, that, that each of us could see what you're calling us to and that we'd be full of faith and anticipation and joy in using the gifts you have given for the glory of your son and for the building up of your people, your body. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, I mentioned last week as we started a series on spiritual gifts that this is new to a lot of folks. Many of us, we talked about this a lot last week. Many of us have have never really thought about this. Some of us have had bad experiences. Some of us have had very good experiences. So we we come from a variety of backgrounds. So after the second service, each week in this series, I'm doing a QA and a time just right here when the service is over. So you're welcome to come back if you'd like to do that. Or you can text in a question uh, if you would like to do that as well. And then maybe I'll be able to answer that in a future uh, sermon. Do we have that number? If I I can maybe answer that in a future uh, sermon or even at the Q&A. Uh, today. So uh, we'll, we'll get that up for you shortly. There it is. Text questions about spiritual gift sermons too. There's the number and I'll get that and can respond. Okay. Um, the first, so what, what he communicates in this passage that we just looked at is again, the, the image of the body, the analogy of the body. And he's making this point that Christ's body is made up of many members. So we need every member and we care for every member. There's really two points he's making here. We need every member. Because Christ's body is made up of various members, the body, we, the church, needs every member and we care for every member. So first of all, before he gets into the analogy, he, he makes this point that there's one body and many members. And he gives us the theological basis for this analogy, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. 
so he starts off making this point that we are all members of one body. All Christians are part of this singular body called the body of Christ. And he calls them back to their conversion in verse 13 and says, for in one spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So now he's making uh, what we could call a theological point, a theological argument about why are we one? Why is the body one? And he goes back to their conversion and he says, we are all baptized in one spirit, So the same spirit baptized us into the body of Christ. So regardless of what our distinctions were in the past, some were Jews, some were Greeks, some were slaves. This was a time when there was slavery in the Roman Empire. Some were free, but all were made to drink of the one spirit. So even though we came from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of statuses in the culture, now we are all one. In one spirit we were baptized, and we were made to drink of one spirit. These are parallel statements. He's making two statements that are parallel. He's saying we've all experienced the spirit. The spirit immersed us. That's what baptism means. It means to plunge or to immerse. The spirit immersed us into the body of Christ. What is he saying? That when we were converted by the spirit, we were baptized in the spirit into the body of Christ, that you were joined to God's people by coming to faith in him. And that was the work of the spirit. And we were all made to drink of the spirit. What does that mean? We all have a common experience in him. So he's basically saying that all Christians have experienced the baptism in the spirit into the body of Christ, that all spirits have been, all people have been immersed into Christ by the spirit. We've all tasted and experienced the Holy Spirit. This is really important in Corinth. Really important because they say some people are spiritual, some people have experienced the spirit, and that's those who have certain gifts like tongues or something, but, but other people are not. So in Corinth, there's the haves and the have-nots with the spirit, and that happens sadly today, oftentimes in the church, where there's a distinction made between those who have the spirit and those who don't have the spirit. That's thoroughly an unbiblical distinction, and here the idea that some have and some don't is clearly disproven, because he's saying we were all baptized in one spirit into the body of Christ, we all were made to drink, we all have experienced the Holy Spirit together, all are in Christ all have the spirit, all have spiritual gifts, all of our gifts differ. So he's make, before he gets in the body imagery, uh, the, the picture of the body, he's giving us this clear theological point that he wants us to see, one body and many members. Then the next thing he gets into is the fact that we need each member. The, the church needs every member that the Lord provides. Paul is correcting them here and trying to broaden their understanding by using the imagery of the human body, trying to broaden the understanding that we all uh, need the Lord, that there are a variety of gifts and that one gift should not, or a couple of gifts should not be elevated. Here's what happens when the church elevates a particular gift above all the others or a particular uh, kind of Christian, a, a particular type of believer, we could say, with a certain sort of makeup, a certain wiring, a certain kind of gifts. When that happens, th- then what happens is that everyone else who doesn't fit that mold, who doesn't have that gift, or doesn't look like that leader, then begins to undervalue their own gifts. And that's what he's talking about here. So there are evidently people in Corinth who aren't like the others, uh, the, the, these who 
speak in tongues. They're not like that. And so they can begin to undervalue their own gifting. And he's wanting to address that right here. Verse 14, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So he's saying, look, if the foot begins to compare itself to the hand and say, well, I'm not a hand and I can't do what the hand can do, uh, the conclusion could be then there's no place for me. I don't belong to the body by looking at the hand. Or he says, if the ear were to say that to the eye, the same thing could happen. If the ear were to say, well, I can't see anything from where I am, uh, and, and I'm not an eye, and I'm not guiding uh, you know, the, uh, the, the whole body like the eye is seeing, I'm not that, so I must not be needed. I don't belong. And Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Spirit, that is not true. Would that, how silly is that? If, if the foot were to say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, would that make the foot any less a part of the body? Of course not. Would that make the foot any less necessary? Of course not. And that is his very point. There, there is a tendency in all of us to envy someone who is different. We envy the gifts of other people. And in, the, in this passage, you see this. If the foot compares itself to the hand and wants to be a hand, it's easy to compare gifting and to, fa- to face the sort of temptation to compare and to wish that I were different for the foot to say, well, my role's not that important, but hands, they, they handle stuff. You know, hands work. They're doers. Hands are doers. Hands make things happen. Uh, they, they, can, they can grip and, and um, point and grab, and the, the hands are very important, but the feet, well, I'm just a foot, not so much. And, and we would never say that, obviously, about our physical body, but you get the point that he's making. It's an easy-to-understand analogy. We, we can say, well, I wish that I had a teaching gift. You, you, you may say, I wish I could teach like him, or I wish I could teach like her, or she is so good at organizing. I wish I could organize like her. Or everyone is drawn to him. People are always going to him and asking for help, asking for counsel, asking for advice. Nobody asked me anything. I I wish I had his gifts. I wish I was a leader like she is. Other ladies want to follow her, learn from her. I wish he was a leader like him. Other guys are looking to him and trying to, to learn from him. When, when he says something, people respond. I wish I had that leadership gift. Or, you know, she's really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. She hears from the Lord and then can, has such a prophetic gift. She can communicate things that really help people and speak and open their hearts and encourage the church or encourage other people. So we can look and compare our gifts. I wish I was handy and could help like that person. I wish I had a mercy gift like that person really cares. I wish I had that gift. Uh, I wish I could shepherd people or that the Lord could call me to do that. I wish when I prayed for somebody that like once in a lifetime, somebody was healed. When I pray for people, they get sicker, they die. So I just wish that I could pray for someone and the Lord would like answer one of my prayers for healing and would give that gift. 
left. And so we can all compare in that way. But verse 18 says, the next verse, just as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So we tend to think about spiritual gifts and look horizontally. How do I compare with everybody else? How, how do I measure? Paul is saying you should be looking vertically to the Lord and say, look, the Lord chose, the Lord bestowed gifts, the Lord gave gifts as he chose to give them. He acts in his way. So he has arranged the body as he chose. And that means it's arranged the way it should be, the best that it couldn't be. He doesn't, he doesn't give us gifts so that we will envy and covet someone else's, but so that we will use ours, so that we will not compare ourselves against others, but we will look to the Lord and say, Lord, is it, what is it that you've given me? How can I be faithful instead of wasting my time wishing I was different? How can I be faithful to do what you've called me to do, to use the gifts you've given me to impact other people? There's also self-pity a bit in this verse, isn't there? It says that the, the hand I'm sorry, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. I mean, sad foot. That is really, there's there's a note of pity there, right? I'm just a foot. You know, you can kind of hear. (laughs) Ryan, that's the VBS theme next year. I just started it right there. Mr. Foot, I'll I'll come and do that. But... uh, (laughs) So the, there is this self-pity because I would rather be doing something else. So the, 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 the foot saying, I'm not even needed. Well, how, how's the body going to move if Mr. and Mrs. Foot don't start taking some steps? The feet are vital. The whole transport, the whole movement of the body is tied to the foot doing its job. But we can have self-pity and say, well, I don't have any responsible tasks. I'm not seeing, I'm not hearing, I'm not reaching, I'm just afoot. This comparing and despairing, because we don't make the same contribution that someone else makes, is not healthy for the body. And can you relate to that analogy? Can you say, do you ever feel like your part in the church is not that important? Well, I don't know. I just serve in the nursery. What does that matter? Matters to the folks who are hearing this sermon right now, who are in the room. Matters to Jesus who said, let the little children come to me and embrace them. Well, that doesn't require any big deal. I mean, it's vital. Every part matters. Are you tentative? Or do you hesitate because well, you feel like your giftings aren't really needed like someone else's are needed. It was beautiful this week to be at the VBS. I wasn't an official um, leader or anything, but I was just popping in and out throughout the week and just to watch the variety of gifts on display. Musical gifts, planning gifts, administration gifts, there's a craft center, the craft gifts, there's a gifts, there's a teaching lesson with food, there's kind of a food organization gifts, there's a couple of missionaries here, the Harris telling their story. Nope, not everyone else had that gift, but they had that gift, so they're talking about there. There's people teaching, there's people leading games, all kinds, there's people doing check-in, admin stuff. What if the person that check-in says, Well, I can't do anything, I just check people in at the computer. Well, then we then 
well, I don't need to get into it. We just need everything is what I'm trying to say. That's just vital. Every point, someone putting the slides up so that everybody could see them, someone mixing the sound. It was a, an orchestra. It was a symphony of people working together for the good of the people of God and for the glory of God and for giving children, and imp- impressionable children, an understanding of Christ. And really more than that, an understanding of his church and his people and an understanding of his mission to reach the nations and get the Bible to people that don't have it. That is so vital, but it took a lot of people. There was only a couple people on this stage. There was only a couple of people that were leading, singing, or teaching everybody at once. It was a couple of people, but it was tons of people everywhere else serving behind the scenes. Somebody watching the babies, the children of the adults who were serving. So if you were serving, but you had a kid, what do you do? do? If you had a little one, a two-year-old, what do you do? Someone's taking care of the two-year-olds so that that mom or that dad could be in here serving everyone else. That is glorious. Glorious. So there's really no place for self-pity. I'm not needed. I'm not a part. We are all needed Comparison and envy and self-pity, it is paralyzing to the body. If the foot says, I'm not needed, I'm not moving, I'm not doing anything, I'm not showing up, I'm not participating, the body's not going anywhere. Or it's going on, it's crawling on its hands and knees, but it's not making much progress. It saps the fruitfulness. I I believe that comparison and envy, I I believe it saps fruitfulness out of our lives where we could be bearing fruit, but instead we're focused on ourselves. Whereas the spiritual gifts, verse seven says, is for the common good. So we're not thinking about Christ and the common good. We're thinking about what little he's given us compared to someone else. And we lack the picture of the whole body. And that's why this imagery is so powerful. And, and I love what he does here. Uh, the Lord shows us in this passage that if, if we carry this out to our logical conclusion, this kind of envy, this kind of looking, I want to be that. that, that one gift is more important than any other gift. If we carry that out to its logical conclusion, look at what we end up with. Verse 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the, bo- where would the body be? I, I, he's, he's giving us this picture. It wouldn't be a healthy body. It would be something out of a low budget, freaky horror movie or something. If, every, if the whole body was a six foot eyeball, can you imagine that? just rolling down the road. That's my church right there. It's an eyeball. It's grotesque. He's using this, and this is before low-budget movies that Paul uh, wrote this. Maybe there was low-budget plays. I don't know. But, but he's saying, can you imagine if, every, if, if everyone was one, if, 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 if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Well, the whole body, the ear couldn't even roll. The ear would just be like you know, like a five foot eight ear just standing there. It's just gross. It's, it's, it's just not, doesn't look healthy. What's it going to do? It can't see, it can't move. And that's why Paul's saying a, a church centered around a particular gift is not healthy. It's a monstrosity. A church that's all about tongues like Corinth is not healthy. 
And, and we, we want to be a church that's not an eyeball church. Sometimes that happens. There's one gift or one leader that's platformed, and then everybody is drawn to that. So it could be a teaching gift. So the whole church is just going to be teaching. We not only have classes, we like have intro classes to the intro classes. And everything is about teaching, but nobody's doing anything. Nobody's active. Nobody's evangelizing. But man, do we know a lot about the Bible. That's an eyeball church. Or a church that's all about evangelism, where even the Sunday morning gathering is all about evangelism. And everything is evangelism. Everything that happens in the service is evangelism. All the programs or the majority of the programs of the church, the children's ministry is all evangelistic. Everything's evangelism. But nobody's growing in discipleship because they're not being taught and they're not being, they're just learning to share their faith. Or it's a church that's all built on a mercy gift. It's all built on a mercy gift. So there's compassion for the poor and there's a heart for the poor. And the church becomes, which is a key biblical value, but the church becomes just a social ministry and there's no teaching. There's no discipleship and maybe there's not any real evangelism. There's just meeting practical needs of needy people because it's led and it's the mercy gift is platformed above all else. Or it's a gift like prophecy or some of the more dramatic spiritual gifts. And so everybody's coming for a zap, for an experience of some sort, and that's all it. What's happening in the atmosphere of the spirit, and there's just these kind of spiritual lofty ideals, but nobody's grounded in biblical teaching. Nobody wants to hear a series on an Old Testament book or something like that. Nobody's very evangelistic. Nobody's really merciful towards others. We're just having a spirit experience. Now, those are all extremes, but that can happen. It's called an eyeball church, and it's unhealthy. Where is the body if everybody's focused on a single gift, if everybody's admiring and desiring a single gift? And what happens is those who don't have that gift say, well, I don't belong because I don't teach, and I don't, or I don't prophesy, or we're all called to care for the poor and needy, but I don't have particularly a strong mercy gift, like the scripture says that's a gift, or leadership. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be in leadership, but this church is always just talking about leadership. Every seminar is on leadership. And what do I do if I'm not a leader? Well, I feel like there's no place for me. But God says everyone belongs. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. Everybody belongs. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, you've been baptized into Christ, and you belong to the body. If you're a Christian, God has put you, he's gifted you, he's wired you, he's empowered you to connect to the body. And he may have new gifts for you that you've yet to experience or use. That happens. So there may be more that he has for you, but you are a part. So here's the question. Are you comparing your gifts or using your gifts? Are you comparing them or are you using them? The difference is contributing to a healthy body or contributing to the atrophy of a body because you're not being used. This series is called Together. That's what we've called the whole series is Together because the church is joined together each part. And the reason we really picked that as a theme for the whole year, and that's why we've spent the whole year in 1 Corinthians, because we've, we've sensed the Lord calling us to build community, build connection, build organic relationship, build people joined together for a common mission 
in the church building each other up and reaching the law. So we've called it together because the Corinthians are clearly not together. So it's read the book and for the most part, don't do what they do uh, and listen to what Paul says. And so that, that, is, that is what we've been doing this year. And I wonder if you've considered that. Have you considered what role does God have for you to play in community? Now, maybe you're from another church, so just translate that into your church. Or maybe you're looking for a church, so just translate that into, you know, when the Lord uh, makes it clear to you where you're to be and what church, whatever church that is, then you embrace this at that point. So when you are connected in a body, what, what role has the Lord given you to play? Do you think about that? What is my role? What is my gifts? What are my gifts? What is my calling? How can I contribute? How can I build health? How can I do my part? So the whole body's strong. So the whole body's healthy. It's not about me. It's about the glory of God and the building of the church. So what, how can I make a contribution? How about in your community group? We have community groups, and this is one of the primary purposes is that there are people in that group that need your contribution. In other words, you have some gifts that you bring into that group that make a difference in the life of that group. Well, I don't really have, no, wait a minute. We just covered that for 20 minutes. So don't go there. The Lord doesn't want you to go there. Well, I don't have a part. It doesn't really matter if I'm there. That is not true. That is not God's point of view. Do you realize that others need your contribution? Now, I'm not saying that in a man-centered way. Like, if you're not doing your part, you're really letting God down, and what's God going to do? He's stuck. I don't mean that at all. But I do mean that is a point of this passage, that God wants to use every part of the body. So he wants to use you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And so when you think, well, if I'm not there, it really doesn't matter, it does And so the Lord wants us praying and planning and thinking and looking out to step out uh, in opportunities to serve other people because God has gifted us differently. We have different desires, different gifts. Gifts are for Sunday morning. Gifts are for all of life. I mean, many of these gifts can be used in your daily life as well, for sure. But one purpose is where can we all use our gifts in a smaller context? Sometimes in a larger context, everyone's not able to use their gifts. There's a lot of people present. But in a smaller context... Everyone can be, uh, make a meaningful contribution to the church. And then it builds, it builds us all up. So when you're participating, we all benefit. That's one of the most exciting things about all these people joining the church to me today. Is I'm just going, wow, the, I believe this. I believe it'll be beneficial to them to be a part of the church. I trust it will. I hope it is. I hope we don't ruin it for them. I hope it will be. But here's what I really believe. I believe the Lord looked down and saw, wow, there's some gaps in this body. And there's some needs in this church. And I got folks, some of them are newer Christians, some of them are very seasoned Christians. But I'm bringing them in and that they're going to, they're going to, they have gifts you don't have and you need as a church. So I look at all these folks and go, wow. And their kids, there's gifts for the future. I look at that and say, Lord, this is so kind of you because you see needs in us and you're meeting those needs. Isn't that exciting? These folks will be populating your small group and making a contribution and making a Sunday morning contribution. Someone we're serving this morning, uh, making a contribution. So, so exciting. 
Oftentimes people ask, how do I know my gifts? Because Paul doesn't answer that. Last week, we, I tried to do the best I could at defining about 12 gifts or so. Um, so he doesn't tell us how we know if we have our gifts. How do you know that? Let me make a couple comments about that. One is to study these passages, and we gave them all last week. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, uh, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians 4 has some offices of gift as well, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but they're called gifts as well. Um, and so one would be to study each of these passages and be aware of what, what kinds of gifts. There's probably abilities that the Holy Spirit gives that aren't listed. None of these are exhaustive lists. So there may be something, something else, like a musical gift or something like that. There's other gifts as well. But how can I know my gifts? Well, study the passages. Another thing you can do, uh, th- this has limited, this, this provides limited help. You can't like take an assessment sort of a test. It's limited because it's what you think about yourself. And if you're a foot and you want to be a hand, you'll answer all the questions like you want to be a hand. And the test will say you're a hand and God says you're a foot. So there's a weakness to these, but there's a strength. I took two of them online this week and they were both... I think people around me would say, yeah, those are your gifts. So they were pretty accurate. But you could go to like spiritualgiftstest.com or something like that. Just Google spiritual gifts. There's some places where there's two different places I went to that you could take. That, that could be helpful. But here's the best way. The best way is to know your gifts in community. If you are given gifts to use in community, then the best place to discern your gifts is in community. That's the best way. And so this last week in our small group, some of the groups used a question where they just asked the group, tell us what you think other people's gifts in the group are. So if, this, if you don't know anybody, if it's like the first time a group's met, that's not very helpful unless everybody has a gift of prophecy, I guess. But that's not very helpful. So how do you know? But if you've been around each other and known each other, uh, that, I think that's the best way is to ask someone who's observed you, ask someone who's objective, Ask someone who doesn't want you to be a foot or a hand or an ear or an eye. They just want to tell you what they see and encourage you. Ask them, and that is the best way to get a reading on what your, uh, what your gifts are, is to ask someone else who knows you. And if you don't know, um, boy, this is great to find out as you serve and use your gifts, they'll just emerge as you love others and serve others, and others around you can help that and can help slot you in a place to use your gifts. So it's wonderful. Number, the last point is that we, we care for every member. We need every member, and we care for every member. Look down at verse 25. He says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So the the Christ's body has many members and we are called. uh, We need every member and we are to care for every member. That's what he says here, that we may have the same care for one another. Now he, he talks about two types of parts members that need help. One is in verse 22, the weaker members. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What's he talking about? Well, the analogy is there are parts of our body that aren't very strong on their own, but you've got to have them. An example would be your heart, your lungs. They're not strong in and of themselves. And so you have a rib cage that protects them because they are easily damaged. Um, But but, but they're indispensable. You don't live without your heart, your lungs functioning. So he's saying there, there are places that look weak and you may be inclined to say, oh, that's a weak part, but God's perspective is totally different. God says, you won't live without that. It's just another analogy about 
the body. Or he says there are unpresentable parts. Verse 23, those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Our unpresentable, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty that we don't treat our presentable parts with. What's he talking about here? Well, because he's using words like unpresentable and modesty, uh, most commentators think he's speaking of sexual organs there. And he's saying, look, parts that that you don't reveal out in, in public are parts that you cover. And so there's a care because there's a modesty to ensure that though my hands are visible to all, my ears, my eyes are visible to all, there are parts that aren't. And so he's saying that should not be publicly presented, but there's a modest care. So weaker parts are cared for, <coughs> unpresentable parts are cared for. In both places, he's saying they are vital. All of your body is vital, and you cannot exclude any of it. It is all needed. All are needed. Well, more than just acknowledging our need for others, he goes on to say we are to care for others. So we're to extend the same kind of care. And so verse 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So if someone's hurting, the whole body is affected by that. You ever gotten up in the middle of the night and stubbed your toe on the bed, on a dresser, on something like that? Oh my goodness, it's a toe. Who's thinking about a toe? Who cares about a toe? Who wakes up in the middle of the night and thinks about their big toe? Who today has given a thought to their big toe? Who is celebrating in the body of Christ, I'm the big toe? Nobody thinks about a big toe until you go bonk in the middle of the night and then, your whole body is writhing with pain if you've had that experience. And if you had it last night, maybe you are thinking about your toe today, but the rest of us weren't. When one member hurts, whether they're weak or whether they are uh, hidden away, sort of, the whole body is affected by that. On the other hand, when one part of the body celebrates, we all celebrate. So what he's saying is if someone feels marginalized, that's all of our concern. If somebody feels on the outside, that's all of our concern. If someone's suffering and struggling, that's all of our concern. And if someone is celebrating and bearing a lot of fruit, that is not something to be envied or compared with. That is something to celebrate that the Lord is working in someone's life. Well, he closes with this. He gives this list of sort of like some dramatic gifts and not so dramatic to, sh- to make his point about the body. He says, verse 27, you're all a part of the body. Verse 28, God's appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping right in there. I love how he puts that right in there, the gift of helps. What's the gift of helps? You can like do practical stuff. If you can do stuff, you've got the gift of helps, okay? Uh, there are people who have the gift of prophecy that can't do stuff. Uh, and, and so you, you need one, we need one another. Or administrating. That's sort of like seeing away, directing away. It's like a ship's rudder brings direction, organization, clarity. You got that? That's very important. Tongues. And then he asked these rhetorical questions. Is everyone an apostle? No. Is everyone a prophet? No. Is everyone a teacher? No. Do all work with miracles? No. Does everyone heal? No. Does everyone speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. I would add, do all have the gifts of helps? No. Does all have the gifts of administration? No. You run down the whole list. Not everybody has them, but everybody has different gifts. And together there is a strength. So what's our takeaway? What's the takeaway? Well, first of all, I would say, remember the profound privilege of being a part of Christ's body. You are an eye, an ear, a kneecap, 
whatever, a little toe, I, I don't know, an index finger, whatever. You are connected to the body because Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He died to bear your sins. He died in your place, accepting the judgment that was due you for your sins. He went to the grave. He was raised on the third day to defeat the power of sin. And then he rose to the right hand of his father and poured out the spirit and gave gifts. So we only have gifts. We only have the spirit because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did for us. So we must go back and first of all say, I can't even believe I'm a, I get to play. I can't believe I'm a part of this. This is unbelievable, but I'm only here. I only care. I'm only connected to God's people because of Jesus's death and resurrection to build a people that would look like him all together. It's good to emphasize personal holiness, but God also has a vision that not only do we individually look like him, but we as a people look like him because he is the head and we are the body. And when we are functioning together, we represent him best. So he gave his life for his glory, for his love for us, that we'd be a witness to the world. Lastly, use your gifts. So remember what a profound part it is to be a part of the church and use your gifts. Well, how do I know? What do I look? Start by looking for needs. I love how he ends it here. He ends it, or verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a more excellent way. Then he starts talking about love. Here's how you find out your gifts. Here's how you start using your gifts. Start loving people. Look for a need. Where, who needs help? Especially if you, if you don't have the gift of helps and somebody needs to build an addition on their house, just pray for them. Don't go messing it. Or maybe you can do grunt work. I don't know. But if you have the gift of helps, go help somebody. But just look for needs. Pray. Serve. Just be out loving, looking for opportunities, and you will start finding your gifts as you serve and as you love. And as you do, use them for the glory of God. There's certain things that don't take a gift. Uh, I've never met anybody who had the gift of stacking chairs, but in a church like this, chairs got to be stacked. And so you just serve and you never know as you're doing that where, what the Lord surfaces and what emerges uh, from that. So look to serve, look to love, um, and then look to participate. This is why it matters that we be a part functioning in the body. None of us are independent. We are all joined together. I need you and your gifts, and you need me and my gifts. We need one another. And so as we grow, there will be an increased health as we all use the gifts that God has given us by the power of the gospel. I mean, just imagine being a part of a body where there is not one person on the sidelines, but all of the members are fully functioning, using their gifts, contributing. Love is overall. So everybody's don't have to have to give stacking chairs. There's certain things that just need to get done. Everyone's joining in. Everyone's carrying the load. Everyone's fully invested. Each body part, no one's comparing. Nobody's walking in self-pity. Everybody is thanking the Lord for their gift and using them. Imagine, that's heaven, by the way. That's never going to happen completely here. But imagine the kind of force, the kind of power, what could happen in that kind of environment where no one's trying to get the glory for themselves. Everyone's glorifying Jesus. Everyone is using their gifts. Then when someone suffers, they never suffer alone because the body is connected. And when someone rejoices, it's not people politely saying, oh, that's nice, but what about me? And comparing themselves, everyone's rejoicing with the one who's rejoicing. And there's such an 
integrated unity, such an organic connection, such a, that is health. That is health. And that's God's will for his church by the power of the spirit, focusing on Christ and what he's done for us, grateful that he's placed us in his body, looking to serve and while we serve in love, finding out what our gifts are and then looking to specifically use those gifts where needed in the life of the church. It's a glorious picture of a healthy body and it's so important. Jesus gave his life for it. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.